Hey everybody, welcome to a great episode of Back to School with Maz Jobrani. Today we have Dr. Shiva Gofrani. Yes, her name is Persian. Her parents are Persian. She was born in America. She's amazing. She's an OBGYN. She's here today, first of all, to talk to us about abortion rights, why you should care, why you should get involved. Secondly, she's going to talk to us about a movement she started. It's called Tribe Called V. It's an online platform that aims to increase women's knowledge about their health in order to decrease their anxiety. And lastly, she's here to tell us why having Persian parents will help you succeed because if you don't succeed, they'll kill you. That and more right now on Back to School with Maz Jobrani. Maz Jobrani, hey! Jobrani Maz, oh! Maz Jobrani, hey! Jobrani! Mazzy, mazzy, oh! Maz, 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 hey! I got a podcast, oh! Back to school, yeah! Hey guys, hope you're staying healthy. I want to encourage you to try Ritual Multivitamins. They're our sponsor. You get key nutrients without the BS. Ritual's vegan-friendly multivitamin is made without sugars, GMOs, major allergens, or synthetic fillers. Ritual is offering my listeners 10% off your first three months. Try it out. See how you feel. Give it a shot. Go to ritual.com school to start your ritual today. Go. Hey everybody, thank you for tuning in Back to School. I'm Maz Jobrani. I'm your host. My co-host Tehran is not with us today because he's traveling. He's on tour. He's in Dubai. Uh, he sends his love. But we have to move on with this episode because our guest is a special guest, Dr. Shiva Gofrani. She's an OBGYN and she was available today. So we wanted to get her on to talk to her about everything that's going on with abortion, Roe versus Wade. I don't know where you guys stand on all of this. I personally am very upset that they're trying to overturn. They're about to overturn something that's been law for almost 50 years in America, women's rights. And I know some people are very uh, concerned and they're conservative and they think that uh, uh, you know abortions are wrong, et cetera, et cetera. But it's not about that. It's about giving a woman a right to choose. That's what it is. And really, we're taking that away from them. I heard somebody say this and i agree with what they said where they said i am not going around encouraging people to get abortions but i think that women should have that choice i firmly believe in that i firmly believe that there's an attack right now going on on abortion rights there's an attack going on on women there's an attack going on on lbgtq uh, lgbtq um on immigrants there's a lot of conservative attacks going on people and and, and let's say progress so I am very much ready to fight back. I think we should all be educating ourselves. If you don't think it's going to affect you, it will affect you. It'll affect somebody you love by when you realize that they've taken away their rights, when they realize that they're jailing or wanting to imprison people, doctors or even an Uber driver who might help somebody get to get an abortion. Uh, those are laws that have already passed in Texas. So it's a serious issue, serious topic. But again, I think... Uh, Dr. Gofrani does a great job of making it all very relatable, and she's a great instructor. She's an influencer now online. Actually, I want you to take a look at her Instagram page. It's at uh, Big Love Fierce Juju. At Big Love Fierce Juju. She's amazing. You're gonna love her. She's got a great way of teaching and empowering, which is what we need. We need to teach, empower, and be progressive. 
So let's do it. Let's come together. Let's wake up. Let's be there to vote in 2022. Know that your votes mean something. Know that in 2024, your votes mean something. If you feel like you can sit it out, you can't sit it out because they'll take away your rights. They will. And they're doing it. There's a minority of the country right now that's getting ready to take away the rights of a majority because the majority of people support the right to abortion and they're getting ready to take it away. Uh, so without further ado, I want to get into my conversation with Dr. Gofrani. Just so you know, I'm still on tour. Tehran is on tour with me. We're going to be in Ottawa this coming Friday, the 20th. We're going to be in Toronto on Saturday. We got two shows in Toronto. And then we're back in Southern California, the Los Angeles area. Uh, on June 3rd, we're going to be at uh, a comedy club in Bellflower, which is just outside of Los Angeles. You can find all of those dates at masjobrani.com. I'll be in Europe in the fall. Come see me. Come laugh with me. Let's have a good time. Lord knows we need to laugh. Uh, you can follow me at masjobrani. Tell me what you think of the shows. And uh, without further ado, let's go talk to Dr. Gofrani on Back to School with Majabrani. Back to School. Yeah. Dr. Gofrani, thank you for joining me on Back to School with Maz Jobrani. How are you? Where are you? I'm in Connecticut. 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 Not far from New York City. 45 minutes outside of Connecticut. I mean, outside Connecticut. of New York City. And Connecticut. now, do you consider yourself Persian? Or, I mean, yes. your parents are Persian. I'm Persian. But, I mean. But you were born in America. I was born in America. But I very much feel like a Persian-American. Meaning, I feel very close to my American roots. I'm an American citizen. I was born here in New Haven in 1970, but I, I love our Persian culture. And my parents were weirdly unique. They really took the parts of the culture and they really took a lot of the American culture too. They were like trailblazers. Did you ever live in Iran or you just lived here? Always here because they came in 1964. Then I was born in 70. And then as you know, the revolution. So they were never going to go back. Yeah, so they came before everybody else came. And the reason I ask if you feel Persian is because as an Iranian-American, every time I see a name like yours, Dr. Gofrani, and looks-wise, I wouldn't assume that you're Iranian out the gate, but yeah. your name and Shiva. And then nowadays I've learned the trick of going, wait a minute, they could be Indian because there's we have a yes. lot of common names. Right. Or Pakistani. There's a lot of Pakistanis that have like Persian-sounding names. But whenever Iranians find out that we've got somebody like you, who is successful in doing things and, and just beautiful, a beautiful person, everyone gets excited. They go, oh my God, have you, have you heard about Dr. Gofrani? You should, you well, know, da, da, da. And you know that, so. and you said, I don't look Persian, but even before I had blonde hair, when I had dark hair, Persians do not think we look Persian. My sister and I, neither of us look Persian. We've caught people talking about us in Farsi, like the at best. in Miami, thinking that the we best. were probably Cuban. Yeah, the so best. we more. My mom that is moment, That moment when you can go up and go, excuse me, yeah. I understand and everything you said. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's beautiful. That's a beautiful thing. Well, listen, let's get started. I told my son that you are an OB. Would it be OBGYN? Is that what your specialty yes. would be? Yes. Yeah. Most people, in fact, everyone trains for both babies and women's health. Okay. So told him that's what it is. And of course, we're in the world of Roe versus Wade. His question is going to be based on that. But then we can go all over the place. And I am curious to go all over the place. So let's just start with yeah. Dara's question to you, Dr. Gofrani. How old is Dara now? Oh, Dara is 13 now. Perfect, for context. This I podcast probably started when he was like 10 or so. Okay. Uh, maybe even a little younger. But but their questions started way before. I mean, you have kids, right? How old are your kids? 11, 14, and 18. So, you know, the questions start very young. Yeah. And, of course, if you're a doctor, you have 
answers to the doctor questions, but then they'll ask you about, you know, why is the sky blue or whatever that thing is, or, or, you know, how many miles is it from here to the North pole? And you're like, I don't know. Well, when they so, ask me history, I always say, I'm, I don't know history. And they tend to not ask me anything gynecological because they know I'll tell them everything. And they don't, they're like, I don't want to know. I don't want to hear it. So, well, I'm <laughs> glad go. Dara's asking. Good. Here's Dara's question. Hi, Dr. Gofrani. I have a question for you. Do you think once Roe v. Wade is overturned, abortion rights will ever come back again? Such a good question, Dara. Well, I'm going to... First say, we don't know for a fact it will be overturned, though it really seems that it is going that way. In June, they're going to make their final assessment. Let us hope that public outcry will actually have an effect, which actually, I can already think of my sister, the judge, saying, you're so optimistic, and if you're a well, fool, it's not going to Alito even said, he, Alito even said, he goes, we're not going to listen to public, public, I know. Uh, uh, you know. But, you if, know if there's but, public but, outcry, it shouldn't matter. But like you, by the way, like you, in the back of my mind, I'm always like thinking of these scenarios. So like when um, uh, uh, RBG was kind of hanging on a little bit in the back of my mind, I was like, OK, so she's going to somehow miraculously last four more months. And then, yeah. you know, so in the back of my mind, like, like, listen, I never wish ill will on anybody. But when they said Clarence Thomas was in the hospital for like COVID or whatever it was, in the back of my mind, I was like, oh, maybe he'll retire. Maybe, yeah, maybe he's going to get <laughs> So you never know. No, this is how foolishly optimistic I am. When Trump was elected, it was the night before my last chemo session. I had ovarian cancer six years ago, and it was my last chemo session. We're all excited. I'm thinking we're going to have someone new in the White House. Hillary's going to be there. I go to sleep, and I wake up at four in the morning, and Facebook tells me that the world is basically like coming to an end, right? And I thought, okay, this is truly tragic, but I will be optimistic. He's not actually conservative. We know that he's actually right. Like he just said that to get in once he's there, he's a buffoon, but he's not going to overturn all these things. Of course not. Like the man himself has probably had several abortions, right? Yeah. I mean, himself, he himself too. You probably he himself, himself, yeah. Maybe. yeah. <laughs> and then I feel like I couldn't have been more wrong. It was so much worse than I had thought. Dr. So Schindler, let me tell you, just like you, sorry. And I, and I know where I'm going off on tangents here. Just like you, when Trump won, I told my kids, this is like the first, like as soon as he won, I told my kids, I go, listen, guys, in America, it's what's beautiful about democracy is there's a peaceful transfer of, of power. And I said, so we need to give him the benefit of the doubt. We really got to, you know, he may, just like what you just said, I go, he yeah. might come in and surprise everybody and bring everyone together. By that weekend, like three days later, he was tweeting yeah. about Alex, Alec Baldwin's performance on Saturday Night Live. I'm like, this guy's an idiot. God. Get rid of him, you know. Just narcissist. I know my my at the time my eleven year old who was at the time five. We went to a rally and her sign said, "We hope Trump is good." And I was like, "You go, honey. Yes, like Ugh. we're gonna hope we're gonna be optimistic." We were done. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, so you were saying. So I think Dara, you're probably right that it probably will be overturned, and and I don't want to say it'll never come back because I do think over time. Now, this might take a while because if the Supreme Court justices all stay in, you know, if they all stay alive and they don't change the rules about Supreme Court justices being able to live forever in the in the courthouse, then it might take three to four decades for us to go back. But I think eventually it, it will, um, which is really worrisome. I mean, and this is what I've said to my friends and any women who will listen and any men who will listen. This is no longer just about abortion, meaning like my parents who are in their 80s, retired physicians, you know, very liberal socialists came from Iran and they're kind of of the mindset like, We've been here before. It'll it'll get better. And I keep saying we haven't been here before. We have right. been 1973 row where we talked about abortion, but we've never been in a place where actually things like ectopic pregnancies, 
contraception, emergency contraception have been at stake in vitro fertilization embryos. I mean, this is a whole new world because they're changing the rules. And just like you said, when Alito turns around and says something like, even if there's public outcry, it's not gonna change what we think because that doesn't matter because he believes he's the purveyor of what's really moral, right? So our argument can't even take place because the anti-choice side merely thinks that it is a life that starts the minute there is an embryo, right? So how can you even argue against that? That's the worst part. What's, you said ectopic pregnancy, what's that? So ectopic pregnancy is when, look at, I have my little uterus here. And ectopic oh, nice. pregnancy okay. is, so it's Latin. Ect mm -hmm. means outside and top means the place. So the place of pregnancy is supposed to be is inside the uterus. That's actually mm -hmm. an IUD, an intrauterine device in there. Uh -huh. But a pregnancy, and this is not so uncommon, anywhere from one to 3% of all pregnancies can grow inside the tube or outside the uterus altogether. And the tube is very small. And so when a tube has a pregnancy growing in it, you already have eyes wide open. You can tell what will happen. The tube would burst and the patient can truly hemorrhage to death. And that is not allegory, exaggeration. Even now it is, you know, many, most women do not die from ectopics because we have medication and we have surgery to treat it. And we have ways of detecting it early. But if now what's starting to happen with the language changing with Roe v. Wade is that for example, um, not Texas, I wrote down all the different states. It was Missouri. They had decided that maybe, did you hear about this a couple of years ago? No, In what Missouri, happened? No. They said, why don't we just actually encourage doctors to re-implant the pregnancy from an ectopic into the uterus, which is absurd because that wouldn't work because there's no way to re-implant it because it's already growing into the wall of the tube. And any physician or anyone like Dara, if I explained it to him, would understand that. But they tried to pass that law. And because there was so much public outcry, they ended up saying, oh, okay, wait, well, we just didn't understand. But that's the whole point. If you don't understand, because these are medical issues, then you should not be weighing in on these with the law, right? And so this is why we're all so nervous and scared about it. So you're saying that this is the difference between the 73 Roe versus Wade battle and where we're at now is that you have these, really it's based in Christianity because I read a little bit about, and correct me if, you, if, if I'm wrong or if you, if you know about the different religions, but different religions define life at a certain different point. And for yeah. a lot of hardcore Christians, life is defined from the moment of inception yeah. So based on that, they're saying that the, I don't care when it is, this is a life, you have to bring it through. And you're saying now they're trying to attack, even go further. They want to stop contraception. They want to stop. They, they don't they don't want they don't want any way to stop a birth. Does that mean you can't have a condom? Well, that's I mean, it's what's interesting is condom use is funny because even certain Orthodox can't use a condom because the sperm and the seed will be spilled. But Here's, here's the concern, right? So they believe life begins at conception. Egg and sperm get together, that's conception. Conception, that is, I said, I said, I said I inception. So I meant conception, know. yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. You know. So 1973 row, it was really viability, which is a questionable term because in the, in the medical world, like if I see a patient for a new pregnancy and I do an ultrasound at seven weeks and I see a heartbeat, I would tell her that's viable. That doesn't mean viability means that baby could live outside at seven weeks. It just means, oh, you have a heartbeat. Therefore, we assume this pregnancy is going to continue. But back in 73 row, they were talking about viability, meaning when can that baby, not embryo, but baby live outside of the uterus on its own? And that's really considered to be about 24 weeks. Now we're lowering that number because now some babies can live as early as 22 or 23 weeks. But in general, below 22 weeks, a baby is not going to survive outside. Certainly an embryo, which is like, you know, a couple of cells is not going to live. 
So I think the concern is that because they're saying at embryo stage, that means right at con even before that at conception, then things like intrauterine devices like this, right? Where mm -hmm. you can see that IUD is inside the uterus. Mm -hmm. It doesn't prevent an embryo from, it prevents the embryo from forming to begin with, but some people want to believe that it actually will prevent the embryo from implanting, which means, oh, then we can't use an IUD. Or an ectopic, even though it's incompatible with life, it's an embryo. So the embryo itself, even though it can't live outside of the mom and it can't survive because the mother would die, but it's still an embryo. So they want to go so far as to protect it. Now, ultimately, will they actually do that? We don't know. But now there's so much fear, like Texas, you know, has these very stringent laws where you're able to prosecute someone for aiding an abortion, referring to an abort for an abortion, or even driving someone to an abortion, and certainly the doctors for doing it. So there's already been a case where a woman had an ectopic and she had a delay in treatment because the doctor was so anxious that somebody would use that language and say, but it was an embryo and you stopped it. So it's, they're a little bit sneaky because they're not exactly saying we're going to actually prosecute for ectopics or allow women to die because they tried to like retract those statements, for example, again, in Missouri, but there's so much new rhetoric and new language around this whole notion of life beginning at conception. And again, like you said, because it's religiously based, how do we combat this? Right. And, and the old, you know, the research that I've done in the old, old days, like the 1700s, the priests did not consider life to begin at conception. They considered it really once you could feel the baby move, which was like 20 to 24 weeks, and when the baby would be born and be able to survive on its own. Up until then, they used words like it wasn't a sentient life and things like that. So this isn't even exactly based in history that's that long ago, you know? So these guys are so nuts that they basically are saying, I don't care what happens to the woman. I don't care what happens to the child. If the child comes out with some some you know major medical problems i don't care this is a child of god you must have this child even though there's a million reasons why this child is not going to have a prosperous life or even a a, a decent standard of living and the mom might actually suffer and hemorrhage and die in the process it's such a crazy crazy thing and it's so crazy where we've gotten to how do you fight that when we sit here and I keep hearing these 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 statistics that a, that a majority of people want yeah. to give women the right to to have an abortion? And I read something that was very it, it kind of makes a lot of sense. This one person that I know on Twitter, her name's Jojo from Jersey. She's great. And she she's very left leaning. And she said, listen, I'm not pro abortion in that I'm going around encouraging people to get abortions, but I'm pro having the option and the choice right yes. and i think most people even if they're religious are going to say i think people should have the choice and yes. so how do we combat this do you have you have you as a doctor or as have you had a a, a a moment to talk to other doctors to go how do we how do we fight this i know it's very hard i mean the truth is because i'm on social media a lot and i'm very public on my instagram page I will try to kind of, you know, I always joke that like, I hate passive aggression and I will only use passive aggression when I'm really unhappy with someone. But some of the things that people will come to me and say, um, I kind of combat with a, the assumption that of course, if you're pro-life, which really to me means anti-choice because you're not really in support of life. And I could say so many reasons as to why that is, right? But if you're anti-choice, that means that of course you don't want abortions unless they're really, really necessary. So let's try to minimize the number of abortions. I think we all agree with that, right? Now, 
interestingly, there is a little bit of discussion that by saying things like let's minimize the number of abortions, we're continuing to stigmatize abortions and that's not necessarily good either. But I'm of the mindset that I feel very comfortable saying as a doctor, abortion is an important medical procedure. We absolutely need them for at the very least rape, incest and birth defects, but even more so we need them because even if you waited to have sex when you were in a monogamous relationship and you used a condom and you used backup birth control pills, it's not 100% effective. So should you really have to bear the burden if you have an unintended pregnancy? First of all, none of those scenarios would even make sense completely, right? Because so many people don't have access to birth control. So many people don't have education. So to me, what would make sense and what I kind of passive aggressive back to those people who are so against it and saying life begins at the, at, you know, the embryo stage is great. Then of course you agree that we must need to increase education about sex and sexuality so that we really improve when people actually choose to have sex and they choose to enter into it into a really mature state. And you must absolutely agree that we're gonna improve access to birth control in really meaningful ways. Not just saying like the government now pays for generics and things like that. They don't cover all the birth controls, they cover a narrow group of them. So of course, if you're pro-life, you must agree that you so much wanna minimize abortion, that of course these things make sense to you, right? But when you say something like that, you just get crickets back because the only answer they can give is what about the life of the embryo? What about the life of the baby, the potential baby? And it's, it's so dogmatic that they don't care about the life of the woman. And as we know, when you look at voter statistics, many of these people who are anti-choice are also the ones who are very pro-gun lobby, right? And they find that argument to be completely ridiculous and not related, but these arguments are not unrelated. Yeah, when they say to me, when I hear uh, pro-life people say that we don't want women to have the choice to decide if they want to have an abortion, I tell them, mind your own goddamn business. Right. And, you know, but that's not going to work with them, right? It's, but and, it's just so it's so it's so disheartening because really it's a minority of people mm -hmm. leading a majority of people. And we've seen that in many places throughout time, like right now, I don't know what the statistics are in the country of Iran, but Iran is a country that's very, you know, religious and it's run in a religious fashion. By the way, I went and Googled and I think that in Iran, you can get an abortion for many reasons. So and even though, could, you know, they'd be getting it. They'd be right? getting, well, that's the point. They get, listen, if you can afford it in America, you're going to be able to get it, right? If you can well, afford to travel, right? I mean, actually, that's a really good point that I wanted to make a couple of points. One, we, I've, I've kind of implored people you as well, as a public figure, let's stop using the word pro-life because they're not pro-life. They are anti -choice. Oh, no, no, I know. No, I right? said, yeah, I said pro-life, meaning I just wanted to, it's almost like me saying like a MAGA person to me. I know, because but I want right. to keep using the word anti-choice so that we can really highlight we are not, like I would joke, we are the full, the real purveyors of life. We care stop, about life. Stop right now, stop right now. Anybody listening or watching, anti-choice, anti say it with me. Yep. Anti-choice, anti that's who they and are. Keep going, Doc. Yep, keep, so that's one. Two, Again, when people like my mom or other well-meaning elderly people who have been through this in the 70s say things like, well, but listen, if you're educated and wealthy, you'll be able to get your abortion. First of all, that means that we do we not really care about the underprivileged? And of course we do. But second of all, it's no longer necessarily true when you look at things like ectopics or let's say you're having what's called an incomplete abortion, which means a miscarriage where part of the tissue has come out, but the actual embryo, meaning you're bleeding, but the embryo with a heartbeat could still be inside. And the only way for you to stop hemorrhaging is to have the procedure, just like an abortion, a DNC. And this was, let's say, a wanted pregnancy, but you're hemorrhaging. And let's say you're on vacation in one of those hostile states, or you're visiting 
visiting your daughter who's in college in Texas or in New Orleans, right? Like these are very real things that back in 1973 row didn't necessarily happen. So not only is it that you might not be able to get an abortion in any of those states and you have to travel so far because there's like 23 to 26 states that have these trigger effect, trigger laws in effect that the minute row turns, they're gonna outlaw abortions. But on top of it, it might affect all the people who are out there innocently thinking, oh, I live in Connecticut, it's a blue state, I'll be able to get my abortion for my daughter, God forbid, or, you know. And so again, to me, what makes no sense is the lack of desire by the anti-choice people to help minimize abortions. They're merely against it, period. They don't want to help minimize it. And in fact, all the data shows that in the period from like 2006 to 2011, abortions decreased because we had increased education. So the number of unintended, unplanned pregnancies and then the number of actual unplanned births decreased because of education. When in fact, the minute we outlaw abortion, we know from data, it's not gonna, out, it's not gonna stop abortions. It's just gonna make people have illegal abortions, which means people will die. So how well, is that? I, I read somewhere that uh, because of social media and phones, young people are having less sex yeah. So maybe the anti-choice people, instead of going out and telling women to stop having abortions, they should develop more apps that'll keep young people right. preoccupied and busy, and then they won't have time to have right. babies. Right. And by the way, the other thing about these anti-choice idiots is that a lot of them tend to be, like, you know, far right, very conservative, and they're anti-immigrant and they're anti people of color, et cetera, et cetera. And by banning abortion, who do you think is going to have a harder time trying to have an, you know, get an abortion? It's people of color and people that are also lower on the yes. economic. So you're going to end up with more babies from the people you you hate, you racist who sons of bitches. Give, who you're not going to support. You don't give them Medicaid unless they're incredibly poor. You don't give them child support. You don't give them maternity leave. You don't give them breastfeeding support. You don't give, you don't, that's what's so absurd, right? Is let's all agree. Let's say we, let's say just for the sake of argument that we all agreed that the potential for life is somewhat equivalent to life. I don't, I don't believe it is. I think we weigh life all the time, every single day in different ways, right? But let's just say yeah. we did. Okay, then let's all band together. Let's all agree that we'd like to decrease unintended, unplanned pregnancies, right? because most women don't want an unintended unplanned pregnancy, but the realistic aspects are that they don't have knowledge and education about how, about sex and about birth control. And they can't even necessarily get it. And I know everyone wants to believe like, you shouldn't have sex unless you're smart enough to use a condom or not get pregnant. But clearly that doesn't happen. I mean, statistics show it across the board, across yeah. all socioeconomic strata, everything. Unintended pregnancies are high. So it's- And the absurd. irony is a lot of these other countries that are highly Catholic or religious like Mexico and these other places, they're, they're starting to loosen up and allow uh, uh, abortions because I think they see the logic behind it. Hey guys, hope you're enjoying the episode. Now, if you're like me, you take vitamins. We all need vitamins. Our bodies need vitamins and I want you to try Ritual Multivitamins. They're our sponsor. I'm so excited to be working with them. These guys are the real deal, all right? Ritual's clean, vegan-friendly multivitamin is formulated with high quality nutrients in bioavailable forms for your body that your body can actually use, okay? And what you're not gonna find in Ritual, you're not gonna find sugars, you're not gonna find GMOs, not gonna find major allergens, not gonna find synthetic fillers, you're not gonna find artificial colorants. These guys are the real deal. You should give it a shot, check it out. They've gone out and made it so that if you 
are one of my listeners or viewers, you're going to get 10% off during your first three months. Okay, you're going to get key nutrients without the BS. Ritual is offering you 10% off during your first three months. All you got to do is go to ritual.com school to start your ritual today. And they've made vitamins that are for, for all of us. There's, uh, there's vitamins available for women, for men, teens. Ritual vitamins are scientifically developed to help support different life stages. I want you to check them out. I want you to give it a shot. Make it part of your ritual. See how you feel. Let me know. Get that 10% off. Go. Now, now, before we go any further with this, now, I'm curious. You, you're a doctor, and your sister is a top judge out of Miami. She's, you said, chief, chief justice of Miami-Dade County? Miami-Dade, yeah. How did you have any, and those are the two siblings, right? No other siblings? Yeah, yep, just us. How did you two what do you think motivated you two to be such high achieving kids? Was it the immigrant parent going, you have to, you have to, you have to, or were you empowered? I'm just curious yeah. what led to where you both are these successful, strong badasses. Well, I love you for saying it. Um uh-huh. I actually I, you know what I here's where I love I love our story because we're not the typical, you know, you and I both know the typical Persian immigrant or the typical like immigrants of other countries who have tiger mom type of people who are right in there. And that was not our family. My mom and dad are both retired doctors. So they went to medical school together in Shiraz. They came to America for residency. They were very clear that my sister and I had to have careers and we had to be independent financially. They felt strongly about that. And there was like so much love as there is in Persian families, but there was no bullshit. Like, yeah. And I was the younger sister. So while my sister was very straight and narrow, I was the one who was like, I wanted to have fun. And, and you know, there's only so I could get away with a certain amount pre-social media, thank God, pre-smartphone. Yeah. Yeah. But there was a line in the sand that I knew that my mom would kill me if she yes. knew certain things. And she was very liberal socially. I mean, we would discuss abortion, legalizing marijuana, prostitution, all these things in the 70s and 80s. So she was very liberal, but very traditional about certain things. Like we had to work hard. We had to be in school, even though my parents had money back in the day because they were doctors when doctors used to make money. They made us clean and cook and do all that stuff, right? So I think the motivation was, okay, I I need to support myself. I want to have a certain lifestyle. But I was not that kid who was, I mean, my high school and college friends were still my best friends, still laugh when they're like, you're actually a doctor? Because I was the one who kind of like goofed off. I switched majors four times as an undergrad. So to answer it like succinctly, my parents made it clear we had to be independent and have careers that we really loved. But my route was very not the typical Persian kid route. Like I didn't become a doctor because my parents were. I, I in fact didn't become a doctor until I fin- I started pre-meds after college. So, so first of all, I think one thing on, on, on the show, I try to always find learning moments. I agree with you. I think as parents, uh, it's a teaching moment, I should say, as parents, I think it's good for your children to fear you. Because oh, yeah. I was like you. Like I had a good time. I did this, I did that. But there were certain things where I was like, oh my God, Mom if my parents found out that I, you know, like, I don't know, kids were smoking weed here and there. I wasn't a, I wasn't into smoking anyway, but I was yeah. like, I was like, oh, you know, if I somehow get caught or if word gets yeah, back to be my family, because you'll be in trouble. They used to say, they used to say we have a name in the community. That was like the thing. I was like, oh my God, yeah. I don't want to ruin our name. Right. You know, meanwhile, you grow up and you realize, oh my God, my parents had their own issues. But, right. but also but, like my parents were like, by the way, we're not going to feel bad grounding you. So like, if you screw up, like we're gonna be disappointed and you're not gonna go out and, and we will they, kill you like the the the, the fear of were, them killing you 
they were so loving, but I, I knew that they meant, and also, you know what I really love that I always say this about my mom, that a lot of, I would say like younger mothers don't do as much is she was very clear about her feelings. So when I would try to manipulate, which I always did, her response, like, I remember we weren't allowed to sleep over. I don't know if you're allowed to have sleepovers, but yeah, you know, persons always, don't like yeah. sleepovers. no sleepovers. Yeah. That's why I was yeah. like thir- 12, 13, which was late yeah. in the American yeah. world. Yeah. And I would be like, manipulation, mom, they're all going to think I'm a loser. Now, I think many moms nowadays would be like, honey, I'm so sorry. I don't want, you know, you're not a loser. And she tried to like bolster my confidence. My mom was like, I don't care if they think you're a loser. That's fine. Let them think yeah. you're a loser. I'm fine yeah. with it. And it actually had such a good effect because I thought, Ooh, she's right. I don't think they're going to think I'm a loser. I'm trying to manipulate her, but she's not going to have it. Yeah. So yeah. it's a, it's a, it's an interesting thing. Did you but, grow up in, did you grow up in Connecticut? Yeah. Outside of and, New Haven. And were there other Persians there or you didn't have a lot of interaction with Persians? We had no Persians like in my school, but we had a ton of Persians in Connecticut. So actually we had a really strong Persian community. Um, there were no Persian schools at the time. So like I didn't learn Farsi in school. I learned it just in my house, which is why I speak like a second grader. But we had um, a big Persian community where we would have like Poker Bazi and like the Persian parties every three to six weeks would be a big Persian party. Anyone who's been to one knows it's like lasts all day long. Yeah. And I always say it was kind of like our way of learning ethics and values. And, you know, we had to be respectful. We had to show up wearing, you know, nice clothes. And so it was we didn't always want to go. And I thought that was good that we were still forced to be in a situation that was a teaching point, you know? And did you used to sneak into New York city and go clubbing? No, because we were like an hour and a half away, but we did sneak in. Now I can say this because my mother knows. I mean, this was in the eighties. We would sneak into new Haven. There were all these clubs in new Haven. So we would sneak into the bars and clubs in new Haven and still make it home for curfew at 1230 ish, you know? Um, so Demery's was our place that we used to go. But it was, I mean, I wish, I wish my kids could grow up in the eighties. Those were the days to grow up. Eighties were a great time. So why, so what made you go OBGYN? What made you go, okay, I want to go into this field as a doctor. So when I went to medical school, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I thought I would be a general surgeon because my dad was a general surgeon. I love surgery or I would be a pediatrician because that's what my mom did. And I really liked, and I honestly fell into pre-med because I thought, I don't know what I'm going to do after graduation from Georgetown. Let me just take pre-meds because I don't know what else to do. It was not out of passion for healing or anything, but I grew to love it. And so during medical school, I had the most amazing OBGYN rotation where they just, they taught us so much. They let us learn from them. They let us explore a lot. And I realized that OBGYNs get to do surgery and we still get to do primary care. Like we really bond with women through their entire lifespan. So it's like, the, it's minus the lack of sleep. It's the perfect field, right? So, and I, I really love to engage with people. And I always say medicine is the medium with which I engaged but it could have been, I could have been like an interior designer or a jewelry designer or something else. I'm just, I feel lucky that this is what I chose because it happens to be a respectable field where I actually get to support myself and have fun, but it's also exhausting, you know? And then along the way, you, even though you had all this medical background, you yourself were diagnosed with, with cancer and, and tell us a little bit about that. What, what, how did that happen? And, and did your medical knowledge help you get through it? Yes. Very much. So, so actually, as an aside, my business partner and I right now started a company called Tribe Called V. V. Mm-hmm. That's my sign back there. Um, based on honestly, this like 23 years of my experience being a doctor really has led me to realize that women and men don't learn anything about their health or their physiology or their their hormones, especially women. I mean, we go through all of these things. I always say like the handful of things that I can just say off the top of my head, HPV, herpes, perimenopause, menopause, cancer screening, 
endometriosis. We don't learn about it until all of a sudden you're faced with it and then you're scared crapless with it. So I had actually gone through a lot of things. I had endometriosis. I had six miscarriages. My oldest son had an intrauterine stroke. My next son had a club foot. Um, and so each time I, you know, I always say like, I would joke like, okay, God, this is your way of helping me relate. Been through it. I've done it. I don't need to relate to everything. And then at 46, I had ovarian cancer. And yes, absolutely. Me being a doctor was so helpful because ovarian cancer is the cancer that many women are nervous about because what they hear is that it's silent, which it is not. So I really like through Tribe Called V, our, our online platform, we try to teach women all these things because women thinking it's silent means you have no agency over it. When in mm -hmm. fact, there are subtle symptoms that are pervasive and common, but if women learn the symptoms and learn how to be proactive and learn how to ask for the things they need and understand where the pitfalls are in the medical system, then they could find it early like I did. Mine was stage two, which means it's very survivable. Most women find it at stage three or four. You know, I think that you do a great job on your social media empowering women and teaching. You know, it's really hard to make something, you know, you're, you're a good speaker, so people want to watch it, and then you empower, right? What led you to get into, I guess you're, you, you'd be called an influencer in a way, or medical influencer, or, and, 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 the, and, the, and the Instagram handle is at, it's at Big Love Juju, Fierce. Fierce Juju? Yeah, yeah. What's that? I mean, what is Big Love Fierce Juju? Yeah. So right when I was diagnosed, um, and I really, listen, I feel so lucky. I mean, truly lucky. And I don't say like, thank God, because God would not bless me any more than anyone else. I feel like pure luck that I was a doctor, that I have parents who were doctors, that I founded at stage two, that I, like all the things. But during, right when I was diagnosed, one of my patients was also diagnosed with breast cancer. So I'm texting her kind of words of encouragement and everything. And I said, listen, I don't want to say I'm sorry, because when people would say that to me, it felt really distancing. It didn't feel like solidarity. It felt like, oh, I'm sorry, you're going through something. So yeah. I said to her, I don't want to say I'm sorry, but I want you to know that I am sending you all of my love. And it didn't feel like enough as I'm texting. So I said, I'm sending you my big love. And that still didn't feel like enough. And I said, in fierce juju, because, you know, ah. as persons, we're very superstitious. Yeah. We love the evil eye and things like that. So I don't look at evil eye as like someone inflicting something on me. I look at it as just some kind of superstitious good luck, right? So that's where it came about. And the social media just was kind of funny and organic. I thought it would be it would be interesting to start talking openly on social media about all the things. Like my first post was making fun of my husband because it was our 20th anniversary. We were on a vacation and I was so angry at him for something dumb. I don't even remember why. I think he like booked the plane route in a silly way. And I'm in the airport going, I know everyone else would be like 20 years of bliss. And I thought, I'm not going to bullshit. I'm going to tell it like it is. <laughs> 20 years and I'm pissed at him. And that one post kind of took off. And so it just started building. So I think, we, I think people really want information, right? They want preemptive knowledge that helps them be calmer. So like our tagline is, we want to increase your knowledge to decrease your anxiety at Tribe Called V. And I think like people are smart. They want to learn if you gave them good information, you know? Yeah, I like that. Increase your knowledge to decrease your anxiety. You're right. I mean, sometimes it's funny because it feels like if you look at the bigger picture of, let's say, the Internet, increased knowledge also increases anxiety. Because I used to do a joke about it in my stand-up where I said, my wife, anytime something happens to me, she'll or if I have a symptom, she'll go online and she'll start Googling it. And she's yeah. like, wait, you have a cough and you have uh, whatever oh. and your eyes are twitching. Um, you know, you're dying of AIDS. I'm like, what? <laughs> she'll right. be like, that's what it says. And I Google it. Totally you know? You're right. I'm glad you said that, but that's different. That's Dr. Googling. And that's why I yeah. say like, if you Google like headache, they're going to be factual. A headache could be dehydration, lack of caffeine, brain tumor, but they, they weight them all equally. Whereas if yeah. you hear 
a doctor who's practicing say, here's why I don't think you have a brain tumor when you have a headache. It's da, da, da. Then it's preemptive knowledge. And the ideal is actually you learn about it ahead of time. Like Dara sounds like he really would like to know more about everything. So I want you to start teaching Dara about things that you never learned, like HPV, herpes. Those are such common viruses. And yet women and men are devastated daily by the knowledge of herpes and HPV when they find out after the fact, because they don't learn ahead of the fact that like everyone's going to get it. Don't freak out about it. Try to, you know, try to minimize the chance, but the likelihood is you'll get it. And if they hear that beforehand, it would save so much anxiety, you know? You're right. You know, this is, it's kind of like I was talking to some, uh, my nephew as well about how in school, they don't teach financial responsibility as well. Like, it, it, or, you know, and similarly to what you were just saying with medicine, it's kind of like, especially if it's related to sexual transmitted diseases or anything sexual, I think kids start rolling their eyes like, oh my God. But you're absolutely right. It's knowledge to know. And then, you know, if it were to happen or when it were to happen, you'd have the thing of resourcing going, oh yeah, I've heard about this. This is, it's not the end of, it's, I'm, it's not a death sentence. There's I'm a, not gross. Yeah. I'm not dirty. I'm not going to be infertile. Yeah. All those things. So yeah, yeah, I think we could do better. But again, we're too busy now fighting Roe v. Wade. So how can we do better? Like, how do we have time? So have you had um, to uh, speak up or have arguments with anybody recently that's in the med medical field about Roe v. Wade? And, and if you have, or, I mean, is the medical field pretty much almost, you know, 99% in support of pro-choice for women and, and maybe there's 1% that are the nut jobs or you know, have you had, I don't know the exact statistics and I should find out. I would say that the majority of practicing OBGYNs support a woman's right to choose because an abortion, not only, and forgetting even like the right to choose, an abortion is a medical procedure like an appendectomy, right? So we support it. There are some pro-life doctors. And so we have like private Facebook groups of like the obstetric moms group. And it's, it's often the dissenting opinion, but there are dissenters who are still anti-choice. And I do think it's really hard for the rest of us to really understand it when you're in the field and you see, even if you said, I don't want anyone to have an elective abortion where they're just choosing. And I'm saying just choosing in quotes for anyone who can't hear me, because I mm -hmm. think you absolutely have the right to just choose. But let's say they even said that they still are supporting a government that is absolutely going to limit women's freedoms and affect life in a very detrimental way with yeah. no discussion or regard, by the way, for the men who are impregnating the women, right? It's so absurd. crazy. It's so crazy. And I, I do hope that it leads to some people waking up uh, on this next election and, and realizing that elections do matter who you, you know, this, this can all be traced back to Absolutely. Not voting for Hillary. I mean, what, whatever you think of Hillary. No vote was a vote for the other side. Yeah. No. Listen, or those people uh, who voted for, for Trump because of their taxes. That to me oh, is, is stupid. Um, I, I don't want to keep you too long. I want to go to a segment now where that we call uh, Back to School with Dr. Gofrani. I'm going to ask you quick questions, quick answers, okay? Yep. Um, were you popular in high school? Ah, ish, yeah. Yes, we had, had a small high school. Yes, okay. ish. And what did you want to be when you were in high school? A jewelry designer. There you go. What would you tell your high school self if you could tell yourself one thing? Don't obsess over your weight so much. Okay. What other profession would you do if you could? A jewelry designer. Good. <laughs> Which I can. And, I'm going to do it one day. Yeah. Do you recommend people get into your profession and why? 
Yes, I still love it. I mean, and that is a controversial topic, but I recommend it because if you like engaging with people and you want to feel good about what you've done and truly, truly help humanity, being a doctor will do it. But you'll have to work your ass off and be exhausted and not be rich. <laughs> and listen, things. before I let you go, you just mentioned the the obsession with weight. What you you had a situation too, right, where you were struggling with your weight? And tell us quickly oh, about I'm that. Always struggling, Maz. I'm Persian. I'm a Persian woman <laughs> with an amazingly wonderful father who is a retired general surgeon, type A Persian, and we many Persian men and women, but kind of obsessive overweight, right? Like food is part of our culture. So we're kind of always eating, but we're also kind of being watched about what we're eating. Mm. Um, so I grew up and he was incredibly healthy. My father as a general surgeon and exercise and did all the things and he meant very well, but food was very focused on. So I definitely became one of those people who started yo-yo dieting early and kind of obsessing about food and feeling shamed about food. So I really feel strongly that we should not do that to our kids. It is starting people, starting young kids on diets even if they are overweight is just the road to yo-yo dieting and food like disordered eating. So, I mean, we do how, do you, how do you encourage a kid? You know, our, our kids are now hitting into the teenage years. And, and I always say like, as a kid, I had a sweet tooth and the difference was when I was a kid, first of all, parents didn't seem to care as much or didn't know as much. Secondly, no. um, uh, you know, when you're a kid, you're exercising so much that you're burning the calories. And then as you get older, you're not exercising much. All of a sudden you're like, oh, my God, I got, you know, I'm starting to grow. How do you encourage kids to eat healthy without giving them some sort of food complex? I suck at it. I don't know. I mean, I've said this frequently. I don't know the right answer, but I know the wrong answer. I know that obsessing over it and making them feel bad about food and making them feel like they should eat less or they should do this is only going to make them closet eat and go the other direction. Now, in an ideal world, I mean, this, again, we could talk about this for hours. There's a whole new movement called baby-led, it used to be called baby-led weaning, but I think they're switching to baby-led feeding about teaching babies, infants, intuitive eating so that they don't kind of obsess over sweets. So I think the next generation could be raised in a much healthier way. I think that young kids right now like I really try, especially when I have a girl, I have a daughter. And I think that if I focus on telling her she can't eat, even if it's well-meaning, it's like saying, I want to outlaw abortions. Okay, great. But the abortions are still going to happen. I could say, I want to tell her not to eat, but she's still going to eat. Right. So all I can do is make sure that I raise my three kids to be confident humans who don't obsess over their weight so that hopefully they don't go down the path that I did. Cause I was very confident, but I definitely obsessed over food too much. And it's it led to a lot. Oh, so hard, Dr. Gofrani. I'm telling you, even as a doctor, I, I appreciate that we're both uh, thinking and going through the same things. Oh, um, one last thing we usually do on the show is we say what we learned during the episode. And what I learned during the episode is that uh, you can't have a discussion with. No, what I did learn on this episode actually is they're not pro-life. They're anti-choice. That's what I learned. I'm going to make that T-shirt. I'm going to walk around. Wear it proud, say it loud. Um, so the the movement you started is called Tribe Called V. I want yeah. people to find it, and I want people to find Love you it. as well on you. Instagram at Big Love, Big Love Fierce, Fierce Juju. Juju. Yeah, and they Big. can go to Tribe Called V on the Instagram page or TribeCalledV.com. And our mission is to increase your knowledge to decrease your anxiety. So we have pregnancy courses, and then we're going to have gynecology courses on all the things. And really quick, there's a movement that a bunch of gynecologists started that Dr. Jennifer Lincoln, a very prominent gynecologist on um, social media started called Three for Freedom. 
T-H-R-E-E for freedom. Uh -huh. So everyone should go check out threeforfreedom.com because right now every person out there thinks, oh, abortion doesn't affect me. It doesn't affect me, but it affects birth control. So you need to figure out how are you going to get contraception? How are you going to get increased access to emergency contraception and medication abortion? That website is really good. Yeah, I, I want I, I'm happy that you're on our side when it comes to fighting for abortion rights. I do hope I'm going to be optimistic with you. Fingers crossed something between now and the next few months happens where they change their mind and they don't overturn Roe. But if they do, we're going to be on the front lines. We're going to make sure we vote in 2022. We're going to vote in 2024 and we're going to get the majority's voice heard and give people and women the right to choose, which is yes. essential. It's so stupid that we even have to say that. I'm so glad you're on our side. Uh, um, thank you. This was so fun. We didn't get to talk any Farsi. Dr. Gofrani, what phrase is your favorite Farsi phrase? My favorite Farsi phrase is probably Damit Gam. You never heard Damit Gam? Yeah. Damit gam, damit means like your breath, and yeah. gam means warm. So you're saying may yeah. your breath remain warm, which you're saying may you live long. No, so if somebody does, you know, it's a great saying. So if somebody does something good for you, go damit gam. You know, so like if somebody or if somebody says something nice to you, you could always say like if someone said to you like, you know, you're so much fun and great to hang out with. You go damit gam, like right on. You know, or how have I never heard that? Yeah. Damn it, Garm is great. Yeah. Run it by your parents. They're going to know it. It's a great saying. And it's usually like a chodemuni, like between, like, it's not like, it's not a formal saying. It's like, damn it, Garm, you know, I really, really love you, man. Damn it, Garm, you know, so may your breath remain warm. I love it. Good. Thank you for teaching me. Dr. Gofrani, thank you for being on Back to School with Majabrani. Back to School. Thank you for listening to another episode of Back to School with Maz Jobrani. We hope you're enjoying it. We hope you're having fun. And we hope you're learning something. So make sure to let your friends know. Share it on iTunes. Share the clips from YouTube. Just get it out there. However you're listening, let your friends know to tune in to Back to School with Maz Jobrani. Back to school. Yeah.